Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks, Scott, and good morning to you and good gardening, of course. Hello, how is your plant world doing? If you'd like to talk about it, simply give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And leading off every Saturday morning will be the Good Gardening Stroll. Afterwards, we'll discuss what's impacting your trees, your perennials, that hillside, those shrubs, your lawn, ground covers, and anything planted in the outdoors. And then also we can step inside, especially on a chilly morning like this, and take a look at your tropical world for routine care and maintenance. Pet impacts, specifically talking about potting mixes or potting soils, pruning, insect troublemakers, suspicious growth or spots, transplanting, taking cuttings, and beyond. I'll share my knowledge to help you make a good decision but the action you're going to take is going to be strictly up to you. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you having me in your plant world. Another very important player is Drew. He's producing, so when you call, he answers the phone. And all he'll need is your first name, and then he'll put it up on the computer screen and come over in my direction. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come out to your home and uh, check out your plant world for a consultation, a walk and talk. My website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, on the homepage has my email address and phone number. And uh, I apologize this past week. There's been several people that have called me in relationship to this type thing, and I have not really felt well this whole week, so... I've been a little bit uh, negligent as far as getting back in touch with people, but I promise that I'll get back in touch with you really soon. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. As I stepped out the back door, ooh, a chilly morning, and there was frost all over everything. It was really sparkly, which is kind of nice. Sparkle was due to the street lights. <laughs> And the sky was starting to lighten up in the east. The moon was flying like a solar hot air balloon high in the sky. Probably, oh, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't the moon. Maybe that was a hot air balloon. Who knows? 
And uh, I headed out, and I went uh, on Gravoy, and then I turned left on Justine, and then right onto Utah, where Tower Grove Heights is. And I was greeted right there at that intersection by a clump of maiden grasses, which were still standing pretty well, so they haven't broken down yet at all. And uh, this is a parkway planting area, so in other words, it's a greenway right down the middle of the street, pretty wide, and it looks nice. And it's planted with numerous varieties of various woodies, aging from, who knows, great-great-great-grandparents as far as age-wise, to some teenagers. There goes a jogger. Wow, it's pretty cool, but uh, joggers don't seem to mind the cool weather. All the homes have steps up off the sidewalk, so they're raised up above the sidewalk slash street. And uh, many of them had the classic foundation plantings with broadleaf evergreens or conifers, shrubs. Lawn was dominant as far as on the front slopes and front yards. But a few had some euonymus ground covers and some uh, evergreen ivies as well. There's political signage which tells you what that homeowner or who that homeowner will be voting for in the upcoming elections. And then crossing um, crossing Spring Street, there's an American holly that says, look at me. And at the top of the road, top of the hill, that's where Grand is, and that's where St. Pius V Church sits. I mean, it is high above everything else. So good gardening stroll for today, and that is what we're going to do. So let's. why don't we head over to Susan's yard right now before we take a break. Susan, how are you today? I'm good. All right. Hi, Mike. I love your show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. I've been watching it since I was a child, and uh, me and my friend Curtis uh, listen to you every morning. (laughs) Okay, so I have a beloved jade plant, over 17 years old. And the last two years, it's been suffering from insects. They're like dark brown bugs, possibly scale, but I'm not sure. But right now, I'm very concerned because the leaves are getting, the stems are getting mushy. And I've lost about half of the plant. And it's about, it's in a pot about 30 inches across. So it's a huge jade plant. I would hate to lose it. Uh, Insect-wise, what you can do is, uh, if it is, probably what I'd do is I'd take a leaf into your favorite garden center to get it, you know, identified specifically so you know what it is. But as far as, I mean, the insect is not going to make the stems of your jade plant get mushy. So I just be cautious on how much you're actually doing watering-wise. Because usually when that happens to a jade, that means it's the root system is starting to rot. And that's from overwatering. So even though you've had it for all these years and had good luck with it, you know, at this particular juncture where it's not really all that healthy and vigorous, you're probably watering about the same amount as historically you always have done. And then consequently, that's too much. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I would take that advice, and thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And what you might do, since this is a kind of a, a sacred plant to you, I'd consider taking some cuttings of it, some of the, you know, the stems that are still really robust and the leaves are, you know, fully not wrinkled or anything, and every, 
and, you know, get those rooted just in case the whole thing, you know, might collapse. Yes, I have. I got another, I got two or three more plants. Okay. Just in case. (laughs) (laughs) Good idea. And anything, you know, if these, you know, these insects, I don't know how many you have or anything else, but it might be easy just to take a, a, you know, a cotton swab and just rub them off because that gets, you know, gets, you know, should get rid of them. Should I use alcohol to do that? No, no, no. Just physically remove them that way. You don't need to rub them with anything at all. And uh, that will take care. It should help take care of the problem. But I still would take, uh, you know, a a leaf or a section or whatever to your favorite garden center and find out specifically what this is. But it sounds like you know what you're talking about when you're calling it scale. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Enjoy your show. Sure. My pleasure. 314 436-7900 Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Phone lines open, and we'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Yes, it is. Later in the winter, but uh, early spring is right around the corner. And remember, south-facing yards will warm up first, and that's where you have to start looking for bugs, be it thrips, aphids, mites, pine sawflies, tent caterpillars, scale, bagworms, beetles, whitefly, whatever. They're going to be in various forms. They overwintered as either eggs, larvae, pupa, and even some of them adults that hid out in like trunks of trees where the, you know, the bark has a kind of the splits in it and they hunker down in there. And uh, they can be attached to even garden or your building siding and foundation. And, or guess what? Dead plant vegetation, stems, soils, mulches, and things like that can include a situation where the bugs are hanging out there. And uh, the first wave starts just as the silver maples begin blooming. And that's triggered by the increase in daylight as well as air temperatures. And then a second bug activity will be happening when the red buds bloom. So be prepared to act as soon as the buds of the flowers start to swell and open. And once the yellow forsythia is in bloom, please do not apply any kind of dormant oil. There are, which a dormant oil can be applied in the wintertime, and it does suffocate the insects at very, almost all the stages of their life. But uh, once we're past that, uh, you know, that temperature-wise, you can get a horticultural oil, which is a lighter weight oil, and it can be used as, you know, as control for the insects as well. So a lot of the direct uh, insecticides must be stressed spray directly onto the bug to be effective. So, I mean, there are systemic type insecticides. So, in other words, it's absorbed into the vascular system of the plant. And then if an insect, you know, feeds, then consequently you're you're going to be able to get it under control. But for the most part, the the insecticides are contact killers. And there are organic compounds as well. So, there's soaps and vinegars, and uh, boy, oh boy, it's just determine the possible damage factor 
And sometimes it just can be really, you know, ba- you know, kind of saddened where you have worked so long, like this lady that just called and she said, uh, you know, she'd had this plan for all these years and then consequently she has an insect problem, but, uh, you know, she hasn't made a, an adjustment to the insect problem in relationship to uh, watering and everything else. So, But she was really good and she had made some... Uh, Cuttings to make sure that she was going to be able to to keep that uh, particular plant around for the future. Head outside and take a look around. If you planted any kind of spring flowering bulbs, they should be up and out. But again, just like the insects on the south side or the west side, which are going to be the warmer sides of your house, you're going to start to see the foliage and the growth a lot quicker. Just like with the bugs, with the with the bulb foliage. And what's gonna it's gonna start to elongate. So that's something that's really important. And uh, if you have any kind of uh, bulbs that you didn't get planted outside, you can still pot them up in the, you know with a potting mix, and you can force them indoors. So just bring them in, you know, put them in a nice sunny window and water them. You know, they're not going to be blooming necessarily at the same time they are outside. But still, you can get some, uh, some you know, attractive daffodils and, you know, or tulips or even crocus. Some of the minor bulbs, the smaller bulbs, uh, grape hyacinths, they're much easier to kind of force inside. And that just kind of makes a, you know, kind of a cheap thrill. It's not necessarily cheap, but a thrill where you've got uh, plants blooming of the same type inside and out. So that's kind of one of the fun things to do. Also, make sure you head out if you do have any kind of evergreens in your landscape and just, you know, check them out and see uh, how they're doing. Because we had this past week, we did have a, you know, during the night the other night, I think it was Thursday night maybe, we had a good strong rain. And so because prior to that, the ground was getting a little bit dry. So the plant material even if it's healthy and got a vigorous root system and everything else, uh, you know, I mean, drought is not good, and especially for the evergreens, be it broadleaf evergreen or the conifers, either one. So I've got uh, boxwood, and I have a uh, mugo pine and a cypress tree too, and I've been watching them kind of closely, and uh, I'm not seeing any kind of uh, drought-related type thing, but uh, these are on the north side of the house, and... Uh, you know, a lot of times when the rain's coming, it doesn't seem to get the ground as moist on that side of the house because of the close proximity and the narrowness of the plant, you know, of a planting bed. So also start watching for sure your any of your lawn areas for any kind of annual, any kind of annual uh, weeds. There could be the, you know, the annual cool season weeds, which we know have been around for a long time since last last August, and if they haven't been under control, you know, there's like things like chickweed are still going to you know keep producing flowers, consequently seed, and those seeds are going to drop. And then relatively soon, we're going to start to see the warm season annual weeds blooming and moving and growing, as well as the perennial weeds. I've been watching the violets and. Uh, some of the violets are still pretty much the same size. They haven't really grown all that much. 
but uh, and the same thing with the uh, dandelions. So some of the earlier season ones are not showing a whole lot of active growth, but they are showing some. So just keep that in mind. And uh, how about heading out to your favorite garden center? They may be starting to have some spring flowering annuals like the pansies or the toad flax. And both those work very well in window boxes, pots, or in beds. The quickest impact is if you buy a, a potted plant, like four- or six-inch potted plant versus a six-packs. <laughs> now, personally, I, I, I don't mind having the six-packs, and uh, but uh, it's, you're going to get a much huge or a much bigger impact out of the four- or six-inch potted plants. And uh, or you can get a flat too, and you know, best thing with the annuals because of this, you know, the seasonal type things. They do have a limited life because when it starts getting warm, then they start going downhill. So you get about uh, two months or so out of them, and they do pretty well. And uh, after you install them, probably pinch off some of the flowers because that's going to help them get acclimated to the growing conditions where they, you know, where you have them planted, be it in a bed space or in a, a, a pot or a window box or something like that. I usually grow mine just in window boxes because I like them close and personal, and uh, then we, I set them up in front of our kitchen window and a couple other places too so we can really see them. And then I put some in the garage windows because the garage is s- separate from our house, and when we go out, you know, out to our screen porch or whatever, we can see the, you know, the, the annual... Uh, Cool, cool season pansies and toad flax. It's just kind of <sighs> winter's nice. I like it, not really, but uh, you have to have part of it if you're going to, you know, live in this kind of situation. And uh, also check your chemicals, whether it's organic, inorganic, liquid, or granular, and make sure that if it's something, even if you've used it in the past, read reread the label because that's going to make it much better and make sure that you don't make a mistake as far as dilution rate, companion mixes, temperature, and environmental factors, because a lot of them say if you, you know, if you apply it at this temperature, you're going to do more problems than you're going to do good. So don't guess. You can really make a mess slash disaster if you apply some of these things, whether it's in the landscape or with the house, house plant circumstance. So just keep that in mind, whether it's an insecticide, fungicide, fertilizer, or repellents. And re- repelling, as far as some of the animals go, they're going to become much, much more active. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or one 800 925-1120. We got phone lines open and uh you know this time of year deer and other wildlife are going to come and well the deer are pretty much active throughout most of the winter time but uh some of the chipmunks and mice and voles and those kind of things those little mammals they're going to start being a lot more active. They're going to be coming if especially if you feed birds they're going to be coming towards your bird seed and things along that line. And, of course, the squirrels are going to do the same thing. So just, uh, you know, be conscious of 
these animals that are coming, they're going to potentially do damage to your plant material, too. So let's head over to Mike. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Hi, Mike. Um, got a question about, I, I live on three acres, but there, there's only about, there's less than an acre of it that's, that I maintain as a yard. And in that area, there's probably 10 mature hickory trees that are major producers of hickory nuts. Well, the squirrels have taken care of the nut part, and now the hull is left. Is that, is that decomposes? Is that acidic to the grass? I mean, please don't tell me I need to pick all those hulls up. <laughs> well, that would be kind of impossible. But, no, it's uh, in that situation, the hulls are something to be concerned with, but I'd be more concerned with the fact that you have – these larger mature trees that are able to produce the fruits have a massive root system. And so that's going to be much more detrimental to your uh, ability to have a good lawn if you're in the classic lawn looks as opposed to the the hulls and the pieces of the hulls laying on your grass. So the root system of the trees are going to be, you know, a lot worse for your you know, your lawn circumstance. Okay, I, I, I'm just going to be, I, I am not a, a big-time lawn person, you right. know, whatever it is, it is. And so if it's if it's weeds, I fertilize it. If it's grass, I fertilize it and cut it. So it doesn't really matter. I just didn't know if those hulls, as they decompose, would create an issue with just killing the whole mess, you know. <laughs> well, if, they had, if you still have lawn after I don't know how long you've lived there, then you know Two that. Years. How many years? Two years. Oh, two years. So it's relatively new as far as what you've experienced. But probably when you yeah, bought it. was all sod. I had, I had sod put down in an irrigation system. So, you know, for the first two seasons, summer seasons, it, it looked good to me. I just, as I walk around, I'm like, man, there's a lot of halls. There's probably a trillion. <laughs> well, that certainly could be the case. But, uh, again, it's going to be the root systems of the trees more so impactful than any, you know, any kind of, uh, let's say, organic matter. And also realize that your lawn in general needs a, a slightly acidic soil versus an alkaline soil. So the ideal soil pH is 6.5, which 7, 7 is neutral. Anything above 7 is alkaline. That's why the days of old when they used to say, oh, you got to put lime down, is completely wrong unless you've had a soil test which indicates your soil is extremely acidic, then you want to put some lime down to, to buffer that a little bit. But for the most part, you want a slightly acidic soil. Okay. Hey, and by the way, with Veterans Day right around the corner, thanks for your service. I appreciate it. Well, sure. Well, thank you. Yeah, four years in the well, only three years and nine months because I got a three-month early out to go to school. But, uh, yeah, that was quite the experience uh, for me to— uh, well. We, we we appreciate you and all your all your veteran buddies. So, all right, have a great day. See ya. Well, thank you. Thanks, Mike. And we have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This, you know, the, in this time of year, because we live right across the street from Christie Park, uh, the prevailing winds, even right after a rain, you would think the the wetness of the rain would keep the leaves in place, but they're starting their annual migration. And some of those wind gusts the other the other night, I mean, it was incredible how it was really whipping the uh, 
the leaves up out of the park. And so probably today after the show, I'm going to do a few things and then get back home and start getting rid of, uh, and I'm probably going to take just the mower and set my mower high and just chop up the leaves and bag them because I have a bag on my mower. And then, you know, then I'll put that, you know, put all the leaves that I chop up into the yard waste dumpsters. But, uh, it's just like really kind of a nutty circumstance where, you know, it's great to be across the street from a park, but I mean, sometimes I see all these leaves kind of marching from the south, you know, southwest towards the northeast, and that's right where we're sitting. So it's, uh, you never know what nature's going to do. Let's head over to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Hi. I have a, a couple of questions. You brought up some questions that I want to answer. Uh, I'm a gar- I'm a gardener, but I'm a garden gardener, not a flower gardener. So I have fruit trees. Is it still okay to spray the dormant spray on them now? Yeah, as long as the buds are not open, so you can still spray the no. dormant spray. Okay. So and as then soon as next, the buds my- start cracking, you know, then no, no. then you no. what that's going to do is kill the buds. Right. Okay. Well, my next question is, I I had a illness last year during my gardening season so i got taken over by i don't know what it's called i call it the weed of a thousand seeds so i have i don't kill as a rule because it makes it worse but i'm getting ready to try the like the landscape fabric stuff to put over it to see if it will suffocate them out will it well it all depends on what type of weed it is but uh, yeah i mean landscape fabric will you know, knock, you know, kill the stuff because of just the shading and factors like that. But it's not going to be instantaneous. So if you cover your whole garden space with this, as soon as you take it off, which I don't know if you grow any kind of cool season vegetables or whatever you're. Yes, 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 I do. That's what I'm getting ready to try. I want to get some cabbage up, but I've had such a problem with the weeds, and then, of course, I have a groundhog problem, too, so <laughs> I'm fighting them all the time. Um, I'm just trying to figure out. I've never had much luck trapping them. They don't like my trap or whatever. Right. But uh, And the repellents, I think they drink it. I don't think they care. <laughs> a cocktail. But, yeah, yes. just realize that just putting landscape fabric down for a couple of weeks is not going to kill the weeds. No, th- this is a gardening uh, permeable landscaping. It's meant to be kept on all season. Okay. So I'm hopeful that that will make it lesser. And then, according to what I've read, I'm supposed to roll it up in the fall and then put it back down in the spring. Right. So that's what I'm going to. That's what I'm going to try. Okay. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that's going to go with other vegetables like carrots or beets and all that. I'm sure there will be some between the row stuff. Right. Yeah, there has but, to be. Yeah, but but it'll be a little easier to manage, maybe because right. I'm a strictly organic. I don't I don't use any. I'm not a Roundup girl. I will never use it in my life. Right. So uh, I I just try to come up with something that will knock it back. Yeah, it's an unfortunate thing. Once we fall, once you fall behind with something like what happened to you, then it's yeah. kind of hard to get things back on track. Uh, okay. And do you know a special something, some concoction that groundhogs don't like that I can put along my fence line to make him stop burrowing under my fence? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. He's coming well, because, I, heard, I mean, they only go places like, where. 
he apparently likes cabbage, so. Nice and juicy and, you know, good taste, too. So not too much you can do. Someone suggested I grow him a garden outside of my garden. But then <laughs> I, think he, I, I think he'd eat it too fast. Yeah, right. He's yeah, because once it's dead, then, yeah, then there's nothing. So. Right. Okay. Well, someone told me that they don't like used kitty litter, so I've been putting that along the fence row. It works in spots, but then they just find a new place to dig. Sure. So it doesn't matter, it seems you. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll spray my plants, and we'll see how that landscape stuff works this year. Right. Hopefully, it'll, it'll be better. Give but it a try. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, my, thank you so much. My pleasure. And let's head over to Mike's. Hi, Mike. For you. Hi. Is I just recently had two Bradford pears uh, cut down and they ground up the stump. My question is, how soon can I uh, plant a replacement tree in that area? Well, the roots, even though they grind out the stump, the root system can stay viable for multiple years, several years afterwards. With each year, the uh, the aggressiveness of the you know the Bradford pear roots is going to be less and less and less. Initially, probably I'd wait for at least two years before you planted anything. If you're planting it within sort of like where the trunk was and the extension of the branches, because that's how pretty much wide the root system is going to be, and the, they're going to be up near the surface, and that's because that's where the feeder roots are. So I'd probably wait for two years or so before you consider planting at all and just make sure when you plant that uh, whatever you're going to be bringing in as far as the, the new trees, if that's what you're going to be growing, uh, consequently uh, plant it high with the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground and dig the hole really wide, three times the diameter of the root ball that you're of the plant that you're purchasing. And with... You know, that's so if allowing the lateral roots to grow, you know, horizontally, but then also making sure that there's, you know, no settling of the, tree, you know, the tree as it kind of gets acclimated to the new location. And if there's a little, let's say, depression in the soil because you planted it at grade, uh, water could sit around there and could cause some problems for the new tree's root system. Okay, uh, should I uh, put some topsoil down and plant some grass there until wait a couple of years before I plant new trees? Yeah, I mean, you could. I mean, putting topsoil down, even the grass is going to have a difficult time. So even if they've you know picked up all the, the chippings and everything else, there's still going to be, you know, there's still going to be wood there. And the fresh wood from grinding the stump is going to be, you know, it's going to have an adverse impact. You could try some seed and see what happens, but I don't expect a great uh, success with it. All right. Thanks for taking my call and have a good day. Sure. You do the very same thing. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go. Let's head over to Jay's yard. Hi, Jay. Good morning. Good morning. I've got my uh, soil test back from the Missouri Extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, pH uh, 5 
and then the other numbers seem to be way out of whack. Uh, high, very high phosphorus, high potassium, high magnesium. Can you point me in the right direction to at least get started on this? Uh, basically, stop using fertilizers with the, you know the phosphorus, potassium, magnesium in it because those nutrients stay in the ground for an extended period of time. So if you're getting excessive levels of that, that can be detrimental to any kind of plant material that you're using. And as far as... Okay. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, and as far as the uh, soil pH, 5 is pretty low. So it's kind of surprising that it would be that low. But uh, anyway, so then you can go ahead and start thinking about putting some lime down. And that will kind of raise the soil pH because I don't know what you're trying to grow now. If you're trying to grow like a broadleaf evergreens or conifers or things like that, five is not a problem for them. But yeah, if you're no, trying I used to, to have a beautiful zoysia lawn, and now I have a beautiful crabgrass lawn. <laughs> well, I'm surprised that uh, you know the zoysia was you know nice and healthy and robust. Unless you know, I don't know what you're putting down, but to to drop the you know the soil pH to that low of a level is just kind of extreme. Okay, but but lime is the direction to, to head to, is that right? Right, exactly. Okay. And just, okay. uh, you know, go to your favorite garden center or check out online the Missouri Botanical Garden website and find out how much lime you need to put down to start. And you don't want to get it, try to get it back up to, let's say, a normal level all at once. So it's going to be just sort of a one step at a time to get right. the soil pH. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Eric's. Hi, Eric. Hi, Mike. Uh, I've got a couple of questions. I had a couple of Eumanus bushes in my uh, yard landscaping, and they... you, Eric, you've cut out... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Out. Oh. I don't know what happened. Okay, just give us a call back, Eric. And now let's go over to Pat's. Hi, Pat. Good morning, Mike. I I don't know if the Prisini gentleman was 
starting to ask a question that I'm asking. I have a couple Euronymous, I think that's how you pronounce it, bushes. Right, Euronymous. Right, they're on the northeast side of the house. And it seems like all of the leaves are shriveling up, you know, almost like they've been frozen or what are just dried up. So are those going to drop and new growth come out? They I should. Mean, they would be, oh, go ahead. I was going to say they were beautiful last year. Right. But unfortunately, we had that cold snap. It was really severe early. And that did some major damage to all the broadleaf evergreen euonymus. And I mean, like major damage. I, I mean, just walking around through the city or, you know, driving around or whatever, there's hardly any that didn't receive any kind of, you know, damage due to that cold. So even though they could handle that kind of cold later in the season, it was just, it came so quick. And so the leaves that are kind of, let's say, shriveled or look unnatural color-wise and everything else, those are definitely going to drop. And there should be some buds there that's going to, you know, take, you know, that are going to be able to produce some new foliage, but it's not going to be an automatic type thing. So just uh, realize that it's going to be a little bit of a slow process to get them back looking as healthy as they were before. Okay. Is there anything that I can do? I mean, just just extra watering help or is there any kind of? Yeah, definitely don't do extra watering. Uh, if we have, uh, you know, extended you periods, of, yeah, extended. Do, oh. do, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do not water extra watering. You said no. That's not going to help. Okay. And a lot okay. of times, doing the extra watering does more damage than it does good. So if we have an extended period of time, let's say two weeks with no rainfall, yeah, go ahead and water. You know, as you would whether they were healthy or not. But uh, other than that. Extra watering, you just have to be really cautious about that. Okay. And just kind of well, keep your fingers keep, crossed. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And, uh, I mean, it's a lot of the other, you know, there was, I don't know why the Euonymus suffered more so than some of the other broadleaf evergreens, like the hollies and the azaleas and the rhododendrons. And even the magnolias, they didn't, for some reason, that particular circumstance with the cold and how it came or something really did some damage. And like I said, I, there's a a house right up the street from me on uh, Holly Hills and they had a beautiful Euonymus hedge and they, it suffered some real damage. Now what they've done, they've pruned back, you know, some of it. And not extreme amount, but uh, it's just, uh, you know, there's not too much you can do. And uh, so just like I said, like I just told the lady, you just kind of have to keep your fingers crossed. If the, if the stems and twigs and everything else are still flexible, they're probably not going to really indicate that they're still viable, but it's going to be at least a good indication. Because if they were, if the stems, you know, t- you know tips and twigs, were uh, frozen, in other words, suffered severe cold damage, then consequently they would start to be brittle. But they're not going to be brittle as quickly as what, because it's only been a couple months since we had that cold snap that caused the problem. So they can still be flexible, but still on the way downhill as far as their viability. 
But uh, there's not too much you can do. Definitely don't rush out any kind of plant that's you know has is suffering for whatever reason, whether it's weather related or anything else. Uh, fertilizing is not something you necessarily want to do. So you want to kind of just let it alone, see what happens, let it kind of catch its breath, and if it starts producing some new growth, then you can consider fertilizing. But like with pretty much anything in this in this type of situation, you don't want to go with the label rate. You want to go with about half the label rate. And with Euonymus, it's a broadleaf evergreen, so consequently what that means is that it has to have an acidic soil. And acidic soil is helped by having applying an acidic fertilizer. So in other words, a fertilizer that has, you know, sulfur, that has iron in it for the overall health of the plant material. So just, you know, kind of keep that in mind. And the same thing applies as far as uh, even if your other plant material hasn't suffered damage, this is a good time of year where you start thinking about fertilizing the hollies, the azaleas, the rhododendrons, and all the other broadleaf evergreens. Mike Miller, K. Morris Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, thanks, Scott. And it, this is the KMOX Garden Hotline second hour, which means the tip of the trowel. And it's a special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that has made an impression on me. And uh, it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Right now, though, if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, whether it be indoors or out, give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Then we can talk about it. Oh, and thanks for having me on your show. Discussions can range from making plant selection for specific locations, uh, how to care for those plants, talking about what should be done during peak season versus, let's say, the humdrum times, whether it's annuals, spring or summer bulbs, herbs, vegetables, fruit trees, evergreens, herbaceous ground covers, perennials, uh, or those cascading nice houseplants, cool or warm season lawns, shrubs, the classic roses, or the classic type roses, or any kind of plant material, let's put it that way. Or maybe it's related to your water garden, how are your koi doing. And I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take to achieve success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Very Another very important player in this game is Drew. Drew will answer the phone he's producing pushes all the buttons, and uh, when you call, all he needs is your first name, and then he'll put it up on the computer screen. Then he'll get over to me. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and besides these Saturday mornings, get-togethers, I can come to your home and uh, check out your plant world for an on-site consultation. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And, uh, again, this past week I haven't really felt all that good, so I've uh, fallen behind on returning phone calls. So I apologize for that. But, uh, you know, 
stupid weather or whatever it is. I don't know. My sinuses have just been totally insane. But uh, the tip of the trowel is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. The tip of the trowel goes out today to (laughs) Taste of Soulard. Tracy and I lived in Soulard for multiple years before we moved to South City, and uh, that was always kind of a great, fun thing to do. Gets a little crazy after a while, especially when you live there because you get a little tired of all the traffic and everything, but it's a, a very much of a fun event. So we still got several friends that live in Soulard and uh, actually several callers that you know routinely call the show. Uh, but uh, Taste of Soulard is something to consider if you want to head out on a nice day like this. I mean, I don't see, looking out the window here, I don't see a cloud in the sky. It's unbelievable. After some of these past few days where you couldn't see any sky, all you could see was clouds. So, again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. So a tip of the trial goes out to the taste of Soulard, which is kind of a wild, crazy, fun event. Let's uh, go ahead and take Marianne before we go to break. Marianne, how are you? Um, I'm good. I was wondering if it's too early to cut back the dead leaves on my heliobores. Uh, let's see. You, uh, it's not too early. You can go ahead and do it. You don't necessarily have to do it, but, uh, you know, it can be done. Well, they... They were very bushy last year, and now they look terrible with all those brown leaves on them. Yeah. So, so the um, hellebores is, I mean, it's a, a perennial for the shade location. They have pretty good-sized leaves, but uh, if they're not looking good, you can go ahead and cut them for sure. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Yep, my pleasure. Yeah, it's a uh, hellebores, if people don't know, it kind of, they look, almost look tropical in a way, but, they're, I mean, they're small. But uh, they're kind of great for a situation growing in a shady location. And uh, they do fairly well against the competition of, of uh, tree roots. When I worked at the Botanical Garden in the you know, mid-70s and early 80s, part of my time for the five years I was there was in the English Woodland Garden. And I didn't even know anything about the hellebores because I went to school in Southern California, and hellebores wasn't something that was actually grown there very much, if at all. But when I started in the Woodland Garden, I thought, wow, these hellebores, I mean, certain years, they're really tough and durable. And they look, I mean, they're considered quasi-evergreen, but let's say semi-evergreen, but uh, they can be really kind of striking. So let's head now over to Kay's yard. Hi, Kay. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a question for you. I have a, a couple arborvitas, and it seems like they're losing a lot of their, I guess, their needles. And it, I can almost see through them at some point. Um, is there anything I can do to slow that down, or or what can I do? How old are they? Uh, they're probably about four years old. So maybe they just never really got well acclimated, but uh, you shouldn't be able to see through them that much unless they're in a situation where they're competing with larger, you know, deciduous type tree roots or something along that line, but they should stay pretty full, you know, when they're that young. That's exactly where they are. They're they're under some trees. Oh, so that's the problem. So there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, they're considered, let's say, shade tolerant, 
but that doesn't mean that they are, I mean, they'll survive in a shady situation, but from an aesthetic standpoint and overall health, they really prefer to be in full sun. Okay. So even fertilizing them in the spring isn't going to do much. No, <laughs> to be honest. Well, that's not what I wanted to hear, but thank you. <laughs> well, I have one more question. I think a while ago, I did I hear you say that this is a good time to fertilize azaleas? Yeah, as you can do it from this point, uh, you know, all the way up until the, you know, when the flowering, once the flowering has finished, don't do any kind of fertilizing after that time. Okay. So, so anytime from now on, I can fertilize. Them. Right, exactly. And make sure okay. that's an, you know, an acid loving plant type fertilizer. Okay. I'll check that. Acid loving. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate your help. Sure. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open, and we'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, phones, we've got phones. Yes, phones, we've got folks waiting. No, We've got phone lines open, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Kelly's yard. Hi, Kelly. Good morning, Mike. Um, I have two very large and probably old hydrangea plants that I want to dig up and my neighbor wants them. So I'm just trying to find out the best time to do that transplant. Uh, while they're still dormant is by by far the most ideal time. So in other words, okay. before any of the new growth begins at all, just make sure you water them really well before they're dug up. And uh, if they're large, then the root ball is going to have to be fairly large too. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I would tell them that, uh, I mean, you still have probably another couple weeks before you're going to start to see any kind of bud expansion. Tell them to get the area that they're going to plant them in prepared before they're even dug up yeah okay because they can't sit kind of without being in the ground no not really i mean they can i mean some people will put mulch around them and leave them sit above the ground but uh that's not the most ideal thing to do and uh okay see oh go ahead go ahead I was just going to say, so you think that in the next couple of weeks I would need to dig this up before the plant growth starts? Right. Because once the buds open up, it just, you know, it'll just kind of shatter them and kind of it'll be a a back set for them. Yep. Excellent. Okie dokie. Well, thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. And now let's go over to Curtis' yard. Hi, Curtis. Happy New Year to you. Same to you. Uh, my question is, I, I got a little bit lax at the end of the year. I bought some bulbs from one of the box stores, right, when they had them all on sale, but I did not get them in the ground. I have some tulips, daffodils, and some crocus, I believe. Is there any way I can still get those things in the ground and have them bloom, Although, since I didn't plant them last fall, uh, fall, or what should I do? Where am I at with this? Um uh... It's kind of, it's going to be, no, they're not going to flower this year. So by planting them this late in the season, but what it will do is they will put out some foliage and the foliage will help build the bulb and acclimate the bulb. And depending upon the variety of the, you know, the bulbs that you have, 
then you were going to be sort of planting for flowering 2024 versus 2023. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, lesson learned. So I had to buy me some ready-made plants for this year. Right. Now, what you could do is, I don't know how many you have, is get some potting mix, put them in pots, and then, uh, you know, give them a, a try, you know, see what will happen in a pot. But uh, they're probably not going to flower in a pot either when, you know, it's this late. Okay. Because it really well, I appreciate that, Mike. I, I heard you say something earlier about just going and getting the six-inch plants if you want something kind of immediate. Right. Uh, versus the flats. And what were you saying is the advantage of the six-inch uh, plants versus going with something like the the, the, the uh, trade? Yeah, the smaller cell. seedlings. Yeah, basically it's just the size of the root system and everything else. That's, you know, I mean, they're being produced in the you know the same nurseries, you know, same production greenhouses and everything else. It's just that they're a you know, better established plant as opposed to, let's say, the ones that come in the, the, you know, the cell in the flats. Because when you look at those flats, the, the, I mean, the root system is only about a, an inch and a half by two inches or whatever, really r- small. And I mean, those are small plants versus plants that are larger and they have a larger root system and then consequently are going to be much more showy or much quicker. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Again, appreciate all that you do. May God bless your year. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. And now let's, uh, let's head over to Pat's. Hi, Pat. Mike. Yes. Um, I am checking on the composting that you put on your yard. When do you suggest that you do that? Uh just to, you know, a top dressing, you want to have no more than one to two inches. And okay. ideally, it would be after it's core aerated if we're talking about a lawn situation. So, okay. And we do that once a year, or how often do you suggest well, doing I, that? Well, ideally, it would be twice a year, but once a year, you know, what you're doing by doing that is you're feeding the soil. And it's good soil that helps good plant material. Or, and especially with our crazy weather and everything else, we're in that transition zone where the south meets the north, and it's just tough. And so having a better, healthier soil will enable, whether it be lawn, whether it be a perennial bed, whether it be a vegetable garden, whether it be a, you know, an area where you planted trees or woody plants or anything else, good soil is essential to have good plant material as a result okay. of it. Okay, so you would put down the compost twice a year if you aerate twice a year? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Right. Yes. Okay, one more question. How do I have you come out and do a walk and talk for my husband? I want to give him a gift. Okay, well. Uh, but, how do I schedule that? And what does it cost, Mike, or do you want to say that on the I air? don't want to, you know, I want to say that on uh-huh. air. But uh, anyway, it depends upon where you live. And just go to my website, and there's my, and just probably best to send me an email as a because my phone line seems to be a little bit messed up right now, but okay. uh, you, can, you can you can call and uh, then I'll get back in touch with you. All right, sounds good. Thank you so much. Sure. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Bye bye. And now let's head over to Rebecca's. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Um. First of all, I'm glad that you're feeling better to be on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you've mentioned something about not feeling well, but. Two weeks ago, I called in asking about my boxwood that was losing all of its leaves that looked like they had frozen. 
And I completely misspoke because after you had a caller this morning talk about broadleaf evergreen, I Googled what they look like. That's exactly what I have, not boxwood. But almost all the leaves have fallen off. And I wonder, do I leave the leaves on the ground or am I harming it by letting all those fallen leaves stay there? Should I be taking them out? Um, What should I do? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. I mean, as far as leaving the foliage there, it's not like they've, you know, they're covered with eggs of uh, any kind of insects or anything like that. And uh, I mean, it's it's not ideal to do, but uh, you can leave them. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, if you don't like how they look laying there on the ground, then you can rake them up, too. But it's it's not going to be detrimental to the plants to leave the foliage there. No, they're beautiful. I just didn't know if I was supposed to be taking them away. Thanks so much. Sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, let's head over to Kurt's. Hi, Kurt. Yeah, hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, you know, I live on three acres also, and uh, at least uh, two of the acres is a forest wooded area, and I'm losing a lot of mature white oaks. And I was wondering if you could hand me – Send me in the right direction. You know, who should I talk to? to uh, yeah. Or do I just go with it, man? I mean, kind of hate to see them going. You know, they're mature, they're old. Yeah, that's an unfortunate thing because the white oaks are pretty tough and they, they have a, they look, I mean, personally, I like the white oak look better than I like the red oaks, which are the pin oaks and the other ones, just because, the, I mean, the white oaks have a nice smooth leaf and everything else. And it may be just an age factor, but, uh, Getting a professional tree service to come out that have arborists on the staff, they can take a look. I don't know of anything personally that has been known to start attacking, you know, the the white oaks just well, in that's general. Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's okay. Well, my my woods are dominant white oaks, and uh, I just hate to see it. You know, every time I walk around out there, I see the. The dead trees, so, okay. Well. So, well, are the trees entirely dying? I mean, that to... Yes, they are. Yeah. Relatively quickly, because it sounds like you kind of routinely have looked at them and followed them and everything else. I have. I seem to notice a new one every time I go out. I'm like, oh, my. You know, wasn't sure what was going on with this. So, I didn't know if the conservation department, you know, Missouri Conservation or something of that nature would... Have an idea, you know. You said some Bob Missouri Botanical Garden, right? You can go to their website and see what you know. Website, see, yeah. So mobot m o b o t dot org o r g. Okay, you probably know if I can do anyway. I'm not going to go and spray them, you know. But right. Anyway, okay, Mike. Thanks for your help. Sure, my pleasure. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. We have some phone lines open. And just remember, as uh, we start to see the spring flowering bulbs come up and the flowering on any plant material, regardless whether it's a bulb, a tree, a shrub, a perennial, an annual, or anything else, is takes a lot of energy from the plant. And so what you want to do is to make sure that to kind of create a situation where the spring flowering bulbs have a chance of coming back in the future now, some of them, the hybrids and things like that, have been hybridized enough where they're not going to really come back and give you another season's worth of growth, but it doesn't really hurt. But what I'm going to say is after they finish flowering, 
don't cut the foliage off until it's at least half brown. And during that period, as the, the foliage, you know, after the flowering occurs, the foliage is building up the bulb for next year. So that really is, you know, extremely important to to do that and to enable the plant to have that kind of a situation. Because even, even like with the daffodils, which are, you know, routinely multiple years versus the tulips, uh, if you cut the foliage off as soon as the flower is finished, then you're probably not going to get very much of anything at all the following year, let alone the flowering, because it does, as I said before, exhaust the plant, any kind of plant material, if it goes through the flowering cycle. So, again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. If you're out just kind of walking around in your landscape and you start to see, let's say, across, let's say, uh, your sidewalk or some, your patio or something like that, some uh, shiny trails and uh, what that means. And it can be on the leaves of plant material, too. You probably have a slug or a snail problem. And so you need to get some slug or snail bait to get those things under control because they can do some real damage. So if you see these kind of, you wonder, what in the world, you know, is that? And why didn't the rain wash it away or or whatever it happens to be? Uh, you check, you probably got slugs and snails. And the slug and snail bait is pretty easy to apply. You don't have to spray it. It's a kind of a dry type thing. And uh, that will help get, in, get them under control because they do some major damage. Let's head over to Ralph's yard. Hi, Ralph. Hi. Hi. You hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Hey, I've got a quick comment about to the guy that uh, um, had the uh, white oaks in decline. I spoke with a uh, forestry guy, and he spent most of his life down in Mark Twain Forest in Missouri, and he told me this was like maybe two years ago, and he said, have you noticed the decline in the white oaks? And anyway, they are aware of it, but they haven't quite put their finger on why it's happening. So there is a decline, and I think it's happening more in Missouri than it is in Illinois right now. But anyway, I had that little bit of information, thought I'd pass it on. Well, great. Well, thanks. Greatly appreciate it. So thanks, Ralph, and uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open. And as I continue to push on to getting your soil tested, so as one of the earlier callers this uh, this morning said he did get a soil test done by the Extension Service, and he found out that he had extravagant levels of certain, you know, phosphorus, I think magnesium, and potassium, and all those, you know, those are three major components of a lot of the fertilizers. And if you continue to use, you know, the same fertilizer year after year after year or season after season after season, the those, when you're looking at a bag of fertilizer, there's three major numbers, and that's the three major components. The first one is nitrogen. The other ones are potassium and phosphorus. And let's say you go with a 10, 15, 15, and you continue to do that, that phosphorus and potassium numbers is, you know, that says a percentage of uh, that particular nutrient. 
and they'll just build up, and then it becomes actually counterproductive as far as your uh, your ability to plant for plant material to grow. So get the you know the soil test done. This it has a big impact. The soil, whatever's going on in your soil, is has a huge impact on anything that you're trying to grow. So the testing, I mean, you can take the uh, the sample, you can you know have it sent to the University of Missouri Extension Service, or you can drop it off at uh, three or not three, third one one thirty two East Monroe, and that's in Kirkwood. And they go ahead and you can give them a call, 314-400-2115. And they'll tell you the hours. I think they're only Monday through Friday. But uh, they'll tell you exactly also how much uh, for for how much soil sample that you need. But basically, it's a Ziploc bag. And it's got to be minimized as far as the amount of root system or anything else. So you want to dig down and get below the root system of the plant material, whatever you're, you know, wherever you're trying to do the testing. And do separate tests for lawn versus garden, and even separate tests for front yard versus backyard, because if the situation is somewhat different, then the soil you know, analysis could be different as well. So just kind of keep get that soil tested and find out what's going on. So let's head over to Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Hello. Hi. I transplanted some cactuses that I chopped off and redid, and I'm getting a bunch of these little tiny, I don't know, little gnats. And I went and got some of those yellow stickers, and I stuck them all in there, and the gnats get on the little stickers. I've tried some of that spray, but nothing seems to be ending it. They just keep reproducing. Yeah. Any ideas? Uh, You know, they're probably fungus gnats. And uh, where did you get the, the potting mix that you planted these in? From the big box store. Ah, well, it's, it's more than likely it had to come in with the you know with the potting mix, and you did use potting mix. You did did you get one specifically for cactus? No, I used to use standard stuff. Yeah. So, but uh, once you've got it, you know, once you've got them in your soil. Probably I would look maybe getting an insecticidal soap and then using, I know with your cactus you can't do a, a large amount of watering, but uh, go ahead and keep using the, you know, the yellow stickers that, you know, to trap them. But uh, every time you water, make sure that you're using some of the uh, insecticidal soap and pour it onto the surface because the eggs of the, you know, the fungus gnats are right there at the surface and as they hatch, hopefully this will get you know help you get them under control. But you may end up having to go you know get rid of the potting mix that you have, and just getting some new. Okay, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Bye. Bye. Yeah, three one four four three six seven nine hundred hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. As we the garden centers are starting to. You know, load up on all kinds of different stuff. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that you, you're buying a product and you think, well, this is going to be okay because it's a new product, it's in a bag and everything else. But uh, obviously this gentleman kind of had a circumstance that he wasn't, <laughs> wasn't expecting. And the un- unfortunate thing is, you know, with him or with anybody, once you get fungi- fungus gnats, 
they can migrate to other plant material within you know your home. So it's not like they're just going to stay where they are in that particular soil circumstance. So just kind of you know keep that in mind. Uh, once you start heading out and uh, doing any kind of pruning on anything, or even with the mowers, make sure that your pruning blades, your mower blades, everything is sharp because if they if it frays whatever you're cutting, even something that's not noticeable to you, that just offers an opportunity for you know, potential problems. And if you're cutting off like branches of trees and stuff, don't leave a six or four or nine inch stub, cut it all the way back to whatever major intersection it's you know, attached to and only leave about a quarter to a half inch stub. Let's head over to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Doing? Hi. Hey, um, we've got some crepe myrtles that we planted about two or three years ago and we have never pruned them yet, when is a good time for us to prune those to kind of, you know, we kind of want to shape them a little bit? Okay. Uh, basically, with any kind of summer flower, which the uh, crepe myrtles are summer flowering, you prune those in the springtime before, you know, I mean, you can prune them all the way up before the new growth begins. Okay. I mean, because right now they're 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 pretty dead looking. <laughs> uh, well, they should be. They're asleep. <laughs> And I know a few years ago, you know, we thought about taking them out because we thought they were dead, but I know they do come back. So, so early spring, we can kind of start shaping them a little bit. Yeah, if you wait too much longer until, let's say, the new growth begins, that's going to be really obvious. You're cutting off potential flower buds. So get it, to, you know, they form the flower buds as the season goes on. So okay, that way, if you cut them off, they still have the energy and the time. You cut them off during the dormancy, the energy and the time to set the flower buds for, you know, this come, upcoming summer. Gotcha. Okay. And then one other question. We have we have two hydrangea, hydrangea trees, you know, kind of look like a mushroom-looking tree. Right. Um, is, can, we, can we shape those as well? I mean, can we kind of um, – because, you know, because last year we had a lot of flowers come out on them, and they were really heavy. Right. Um. Well, you can, but it's, you know, again, is it one of the varieties of flowers in the springtime or the summertime? Uh, they, they, they bloom in the summer. Okay, so then the same thing would apply as what I talked about with the crepe myrtle. Okay. All right, perfect. All right, my daughter and I enjoy your show. We appreciate it. Well, thanks. I. Okay, and thanks for your service. Well, thank you, and thanks for having okay. me on your show. Okay, thank you. Yep, and let's head over to Tommy's. Hi, Tommy. Yeah, uh, good morning, Mike. Um, tuning in a little late uh, this morning, so I hope you haven't covered these uh, topics already. But um, uh, you mentioned pruning. Is it too late to prune um, apple trees um, at this time, or can you still do it for a while? Well, you can, but what you're going to do is anything that flowers in the springtime, if you prune them now, you're cutting off the potential flowers. Consequently, you know, with apple trees, you're cutting off no flowers, then you're not going to get any kind of fruit either. So uh, spring flowering, you know, shrubs, trees, or anything else should be pruned right after they finish flowering because they've already, when they set their f flower buds slash, you know, fruiting circumstances, that's going to be uh, in the early fall. So if you cut them now, then you're just cut, removing that potential. 
seems like I've trimmed them in December and early January before, and they seem to do okay. But um, that's kind I'm of kind unusual. Of afraid it might be too late. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I wouldn't. You know, that's a little bit late. And then the second question: the darn moles are active again. Can you recommend a, a specific type or brand of uh, traps? for these little critters? Yeah, it's basically a choker loop or Victor spear trap are the ones that, uh, you know, have been, that, you know, seem to be most effective. And with any of the traps, basically you got to, you know, put them on the newest runs that have popped up recently because that's the ones that are still going to be active going back and forth on. And uh, it's just going to be, uh, if you don't get something within one or two days after your placement, then you should move it to a different location on a, a run. And, and okay, thank you. What what was the Victor? <clears throat> Victor, what kind? Yeah, Victor spear trap. Spear trap. Okay, very or good. choker loop. Just mm-hmm. all the you know year round garden centers should have the traps and you know be able to ex- then I'll, you know be instructions on how to place them and everything else. Okay, very good. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We'll be back to talk to Dennis and Tom after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, let's have... Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Over to, go to Tom's yard first? Sure, let's go to Tom's. Hi, Tom. Uh, good morning, Mike. How are you doing today? Very good. Hey, I got a quick question for you. I'm going to be putting in a bunch of bulbs, various types of bulbs. I got probably an eight foot by six foot area, like the 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 walk to the front door runs parallel with the porch, and I'm I've got that all racked in real good. Uh, basically, how deep do I put these bulbs, and roughly how far apart would I put them? Now, and talking, when do I plant them? Are we talking about the summer type bulbs? Uh, I don't know tulips, stuff like that. You know the pretty flowering ones well basically you're as far as planting those tulips you want to go down about four you know four to six inches deep you want to make sure this is a really well-drained soil and it has a lot of organic matter to it and about uh, four or six inches apart okay perfect now if you're talking about the summer bulbs like elephant ears and cannas and things like that that's a little bit of a different circumstance. But with the the crocus, you only want to go about two inches deep. With the daffodils, four to six inches deep. The tulips, four to six inches deep. All the smaller spring flowering bulbs, they stay pretty much closer to the surface. So, like I said, okay. about two inches or so deep. I think I'll stick with the, the uh, fall-looking ones. Uh, and I'll just stick with that type. Uh, and another thing you're couple callers previously he was asking what kind of mold traps i tell you these traps i killed 18 <laughs> one year and they're called out o-u-t-o site s-i-t s-i-t i think those are the those are what the pros use out o site wow 
All right, great. Well, thanks for the insight. All right, have a good one. Yep, you too. And now let's head over to Dennis's yard. Hi, Dennis. Yes, hello. Uh, we've got a honeysuckle vine, not the bush, but the vine right. that has the flowers and very nice smelling in the springtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a chain, chain link fence, about 40 length, 40 feet. Can that, can that uh, be trimmed back now or should you not trim it back at all? Or how's, how can I handle that? And um, when should I start putting down crabgrass and other pre-emergent for my grass, for my yard? Yeah, with a crabgrass preventer, you want to get it down. Uh, it's a little bit too early, but uh, basically it's uh, uh, with the crabgrass, that's a cool season annual weed. And uh, it's just, I mean, it's going to be a little bit of a you know, tough circumstance. And as far as you know, pruning the honeysuckle, you don't really need to prune it. This is a, a, a variety or a type that's uh, evergreen, correct? Correct. Yeah, so correct. I would say just kind of leave it alone would be the better thing to do. Okay, we'll give it a shot then. Yep. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, all kinds of different type of weed circumstances. And uh, so it's... Uh, Lots of different stuff in the yard. It's sometimes kind of difficult to you know coordinate and uh, you know keep everything moving smoothly and all that other you know type of situation. So uh, just, just make sure you just kind of make you know travel into your yard. And then with the the cool with the cool season annual weeds, they all germinated. You know, last August they've been growing. That's going to be henbit, chickweed, annual bluegrass, and things like that. And then with the warm season, you know, annual weeds, they germinate and start growing when the yellow forsythia is in bloom. And that includes spurge, ragweed, crabgrass, barnyard grass. So with the uh, the crabgrass that you were talking about, you want to put down the pre-emergent at the same time that the yellow forsythia is in bloom, or if you want to get a soil thermometer, that's when the soil temperatures are at like 55 or so degrees a couple days in a row. And then that's when the, the you know, crabgrass seeds will be able to start germinating. So other, you know, type of annual weeds that uh, grow, uh, that bloom at the same time or that start growing when the yellow forsythia is in bloom includes foxtail, goosegrass, black medic, lamb's quarter, knotweed, purslane, ragweed, and all the spurges as well. And what happens with the cool season weeds, as the temperatures start to get warm, that's the same time when the yellow forsythia is in bloom, they start going downhill and heading you know, to never, never land as far as the, you know, the adult plants. But during this whole process of the, you know, wintertime and everything else, they've been producing seeds. So then next August, you're going to be putting the pre-emergent down for them. But again, for the crabgrass, yellow forsythia, when that's in bloom, that's when you want to put down the, you know, the the uh, pre-emergent. And a pre-emergent is by far the best way to get them under control. You can do a post-emergent after that, but it's just with like, you know, crabgrass and and that kind of barnyard grass and goosegrass, unfortunately, the post-emergent, so in other words, when something's actively growing, 
that will, you know, you, you spray a weed killer or a grass killer, and that's going to kill your regular grass, too. So, in other words, it can't selectively say, oh, this is a crabgrass, I'll kill you, but I'll leave your lawn, your zoysia, you know, alone or your bluegrass or your fescue or whatever it is. So just be really cautious, and that's kind of the advantage of uh, using a pre-emergent. It's just it's going to be very selective because the perennial-type grasses are not coming back from seed. They're coming back from the root system. And that's, you know, what you want to get them under control for. So it's the days are getting warmer, and so thank goodness. <laughs> and we're going to start to see more and more emergent. And it's probably with the way this weather has been normally or the way it is every year, uh, you just all of a sudden it's going to be like kind of, I don't want to say boring, but the, some of the deciduous things, they they look okay. I mean that's great. I love them. I you know I'm an outdoor kind of person, but when they start exploding with new growth, that's when a you know the aesthetics really start coming out for you know Mother Nature to kind of impress us all. So I still haven't you know I mean early in the season one of the first bloomers is the witch hazel and it has a yellow flower in the early spring. I still haven't seen any witch hazel as uh, you know. You know, any, as I travel around or anything else, so I'm still looking for my first, uh, t- you know, taste of uh, springtime. And once that starts happening, the witch hazel, then you're going to start to see the whole series. The, the silver maples are going to start blooming and uh, other things as well. And I want to thank that gentleman who called in about the the white oaks. I didn't realize that the, there was some kind of major sort of disease or whatever it is, and for the you know conservation department not to be able to figure out what you know what it is, that's you know that's kind of sad. And I'm wondering if it is happening mainly to the mature trees as opposed to the you know to the younger trees because the mature trees are not nearly as aggressive as far as activity and everything else. So, but as opposed to the the more mature trees, and just make sure that again. If you start getting debris from fallen leaves piling up in your yard or your garden space, that can create a fungus problem. So I will see you next week. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Have a great sunny day. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.